Hello, welcome to BlazePod. It's Monday the 4th of November. My name is Ben and I'm joined, as always, by Andrew. How are you doing today, Paul? Brilliant, despite the weather. <laughs> yeah, I know. I'm, uh, I don't know if the rain's going to come through like loud and clear on this recording, so hopefully not. I'll do my best to... Uh, it's it, it it stopped around my end, to be fair, so you might be all right. But... Might, might have timed this one perfectly. Um, yeah. So, yeah, the Blades uh, beat Burnley this weekend by three goals to nil. We're going to talk about that in quite a lot of detail, as always. But I've got to start you with a question. Is John Lundstrom the most famous Sheffield United player of all time? I think you have to give him his full title for a start. It's FL God John Lundstrom. <laughs> I think that's his full title now, isn't it? Uh, um, I think he's certainly the, the most famous player at the moment. Uh, maybe Brian Dean because he scored the first goal. See, this is it. I've, I've made a short list sure. of, of obvious yeah, counter yeah, arguments. Yeah. So, I mean, the, the, the point um, the point is, John Lundstrom is, uh, as you say, fantasy, fantasy football god. Like, if you if you just search his name on Twitter, everyone is losing their mind over John Lundstrom. We just put up the. Highest fantasy game week of the entire season with 21 points. He's scored more fantasy points this season than Raheem Sterling and Mo Salah. (laughs) And everybody who's playing fantasy football, which is a lot of people around the world, knows who he is and is becoming a bit of a cult figure. And yeah, my point is, you know, the, the global audience for the Premier League is, I mean, just incomparable now to what it was, uh, you know, in Brian Dean's heyday, for example. Yeah, yeah. So, you know, there's going to be people in <laughs> India, America, everywhere around the world, like John Lundstrom is in my fantasy team. He's inexplicably listed as a central, <laughs> as a defender, despite wearing number seven. He's, uh, yeah. he's Sheffield United's joint top scorer. He's racking up the fantasy points. Well, I saw someone, I don't know what radio, you have to forgive me because I can't remember, he was a presenter at a radio show and he actually got a Sheffield United shirt delivered um, with Lundstrom on the back just because of his fantasy league uh, <laughs> points that he got him. So, yeah, he's, he's, going, he's going global, isn't he, Lundstrom? He really is. The uh, the FPL official account, um, almost 37% of teams own him and he has returned the high, he's the best value player in fantasy football Um based on points per million of his value. Um, And yeah, I've seen people saying, you know, he's he's pound for pound the best fantasy player across any sport. That's how good he is. (laughs) (laughs) So they, I mean... on, I messaged you, I think, didn't I, privately, and I said, like, I watched just a Premier League roundup yesterday, and uh, one of the presenters called him Lord Lundstrom, yeah. just based purely on his fantasy league points. <laughs> I've, I've seen that on uh, a lot of people saying that on Twitter as well, you know, just yeah. replying to, like, the official Premier League account when he scores. Oh, Lord, call him by his proper name, Lord Lundstrom, and all this. <laughs> Amazing. What a transformation. I mean, the, yeah. the other most famous ones, I mean, you know, you've obviously got Tony Curry, Brian Dean, as you mentioned, um, and, and Billy Sharp was one I thought, because, like, I, but I think... I think anyone in England knows who those three players are. Yeah, I, I, infamously, I thought Chad Evans as well. Obviously, he, mm. you know, he's, he's well known yeah. for the, the wrong reasons, if you like. You know, obviously, what happened after you got overturned. But yeah, in terms of a global thing, it's got to be Lundstrom, hasn't it? I think in so. These days. I think if you, yeah, if you could do a, a poll of um, Premier League fans or football fans in, yeah, like say India or something like that, I think uh, Lundstrom's going to be uh, going to be top of their. Their recognition, I suppose. The I only... think, you know, if you do, I mean, obviously there's a lot of joke about him, but it's not actually that inconceivable that he gets called up for England. Let's say this season carries on 
I think he's going to be the most well-liked England player of all time if he gets close <laughs> up. So. Yeah, he's, I mean, he's he's genuinely probably only a couple of injuries away from making a squad, isn't he? I, think. I can't. I think if he has, if he carries this season on mm. for another two or three months, I don't think. I mean, we're not blessed in that area, England, in my opinion. Anyway, mm. I don't really see how he doesn't get a get a chance at least. It, it just sounds so preposterous. It does. It does. And I, as I'm saying it, I'm thinking, I'm I, I sounding ridiculous myself, but based purely on this season and what Gareth Southgate has seen of him, I, you know, he's been one of the, he has been one of the top performers in the Premier League in midfield. We're sixth in the league. We've sort of been in every game that we've, you know, we've never been dominated in midfield, really, no. apart from, well, I don't know, possibly Everton. I don't, I don't think we got dominated. Like, he even put a good performance in against them. So. Yeah. I don't think he's too far off, weirdly enough. It's probably not. I think it started as a bit of a, a bit of a meme to start the season, but yeah, yeah, it's it's becoming more more real. I mean, it, you know, if you if you want to sort of uh, spin out the devil's advocate, one of that. I mean, if you're Southgate, you're looking at this guy going, "Wow, look how much he's improved in." Well, you, you could even say within like three months, but certainly within twelve yeah. months, he's only twenty five. So you know that in theory, that kind of upward curve of his career is still you know it still hasn't crested he's still got other levels to go to in theory mm. so yeah who knows of course the only other um, possibly famous Sheffield United player is uh, is Jimmy Muir as played by Sean Bean in When yep. Saturday Comes but um, yep, to be honest I'm not sure how successful that film was on a uh, on a global stage so <laughs> <laughs> or even in a local stage to be honest <laughs> very true alright we're going to talk about Lundstrom a bit more um, shortly but um Let's talk about the game itself then. So, I mean, what what a fantastic result and a fantastic performance. I mean, just just pick your adjective for that. I mean, beautiful, magnificent, dominant. It was just glorious to watch. A fan, I mean, I, I do think that's the best we've played since Aston Villa at home last season. Yeah, which, all right, given the opposition, I agree, yeah. Yeah, which is only, all right, it's only about a year ago, but that kind of just shows the, the levels we've been at over this yeah. period of time. But. I just I thought it was basically flawless. I mean, just pick pick and pick a hole in that. It was just brilliant from every single player, every phase of the game. Yeah, I I just couldn't be happier coming out of that. I was just so so proud, and especially when you look at the you know the quality of the opposition and what we made them look like, which was frankly yeah. really really poor. I mean, it was a classic worst performance of their season or whatever yeah, from them. Always but, the same, yeah. <laughs> yeah, but yeah, what, what, were you, what was you thinking watching that? Well, it's, it's strange because I think I don't think anybody saw that come in. I think mm. everyone I spoke to before the, before the game, earlier on in the week, people at work or whatever, it's going to be tight, it's going to be tough, I'd like to nick it one. And I think that was the best we could have hoped, what we were hoping for. And I don't think that's a negative against United, but we all know what Burnley are like. They stick in it, they're very much like us. Hard. I didn't think we'd outwork them. I certainly didn't. I, I thought... There might have been games this season, such as Arsenal, where we possibly got the three points in that game because we outworked them rather than anything else. I yeah. think that was the reason. I didn't think we'd do that against Burnley, but we did. And the football we played were absolutely fantastic at times. I think they had one real chance, maybe two off a header off a corner. I think Henderson, easy save. Mm. I, I, it was so comfortable. I mean, I'm really nervous and negative matches and... 20 minutes to go and thinking, let's not forget Villa. We were dominant in that one, and all, you know, when they went back to 3 3. But realistically, 
I mean, we could have had six or seven, and that's not even being biased or over the top. Blundstrom yeah. could have had five. Yeah, you know, he actually <laughs> could. Yeah, you said nobody saw this coming, apart from my dad, of course, who said it was going to be four nil. Of course, yeah, in, your dad the... saw it before, obviously, and he did say, didn't he? He said four uh, nil either way. I think it was tongue in cheek, but maybe not. Maybe yeah, know yeah. something. <laughs> he, he was claiming credit for it when we went three nil up. I think. But, um, <laughs> no, you're, you're right. It, it was it was completely dominant. We could very easily have had more goals. Um, I mean, I think one of the many, many pleasing aspects was that having gone 3-0 up, we did not sit back. I mean, yeah. we allowed Burnley to have some more of the ball in the second half, but, I mean, we just broke with intent to score, didn't we? I, mean, I was delighted with that because there has yeah. been a bit of criticism of us when we're going 1-0 up or even 0-0 away games that we've not really pushed on, you know, and, and we've sort of settled for what we've got, which is understandable with the quality of opposition. To me, that felt like a. Ch- I said to my friend who like was sat next to, I said it feels like a championship match, not in the sense of the quality or anything like that, but in the sense of how dominant we were. It mm. reminded me a lot of last season, many games last season when we were playing. I mean, I suppose this is disrespect to Burnley, but it felt like we were playing a mid-table championship team last season to me. Yeah, I th- well, genuinely, I think that's how we made them look because they just. Yeah. Uh, yeah, we can again come on to this in a bit more detail, but I, I really, I, I thought they were just really predictable. You know, as soon as. It just became very obvious very quickly that their plan A was not going to work against our set-up and our quality of players. And, yeah, we, we just carved them to bits. Um, and this is the thing. It's not just the outworking and, the, and defence mm. of the sound. They couldn't cope with it at times with the movement or the passing and how quick it was. And, yeah, it, it was an excellent performance. You're not going to get much better than that in the Premier League in your first season as a, as a dominant performance. Yeah, and I, I think this was... Um, I wanted to talk about this. I think this was, like, the best... The best possible showing from the uh, so-called flat three in midfield. Mm. I mean, you know, we we and plenty of other fans are kind of debated at length. You know, that we're sacrificing a bit of creativity for uh, defensive solidity, but in this game we had both. Um, you know, the way that we, the way that Lundstrom got forward into the box, and as you say, he did that four or five times to cr- to mm. get on the end of goal scoring chances. But Fleck as well bombing forward. It was. It, it just felt. It felt like the culmination of like what we're sort of working towards with this formation. I think. Yeah, and, I was about to say. I think Fleck played how I imagine Wilder wanted him to play when he started with the flat three last season. When we started it with Lundstrom and Evans, mm. it was every time he got the ball, ran forward, driving at people, constantly looking forward. I think that flunt, that flat three has looked static in the past. Mm. I think they've always missed that link. You know, between when Duffy wasn't there, we always met, and McGoldrick didn't play in particular as well. That link wasn't there. It looked very sort of, you know, just defensive. It looked more defensive than it really probably should have. And I think with the way Fleck played and running with the ball, Lundstrom now all of a sudden being the fittest man in Europe <laughs> uh, obviously helps as well. And it worked perfectly if those two in particular, I mean, Norwood just plays his Norwood's game, you know, whatever the, if we play with a, a you know, a one behind the strikers or not. Mm. But those two, if they play like that, that works every week because the energy that those two put in, Lundstrom and Fleck, I thought those two were by far the best two players on the pitch. Yeah. I I, I don't like the name flat three. It sounds, uh, I feel like it carries negative connotations. You know, flat is, is not a, not a positive word, I don't think. Yeah, but I think that's how we have played it. I think people True. call it flat three because when we've played it in the past, that's what it has been. We haven't yeah. had that sort of... It's not been an attacking three. I don't think you can say that. Yeah. We've, we've not had people bursting into the box like we did on Saturday. 
We'll keep this up, and I think we need to rebrand it as somewhere else. I mean, I, I was thinking it's it's not even a it, it's almost a V, if you like, as opposed to mm. a three with you know Lundstrom, at, excuse me, Nord at the base, and and those two Fleck and Norwood pushing on when we when we have the ball. But I mean, in that second half, we also saw the value of it um, defensively as well. You know, all three of those closing them down, you know, yeah. pu- pushing them into non dangerous areas. It just it feels, yeah, it just feels like this is the formula that's going to work for us. And I think also we've surely found our best first 11 there as well. Oh, yeah, undoubtedly, yeah. Which, I mean, remarkably is uh, 10 of out of 11 of them uh, were in our squad last season. So Yeah, and I do think, and it's, it's a cliche, but I do think it's true. I do think Lundstrom is like a new signing and a, a £10 million signing at the moment. I really, he's not the Lundstrom of last season at all. He, he just, I I dreaded doing this podcast with you because obviously I knew you'd ask me about Lundstrom because I can't explain the change around other than the fitness, which is quite clearly improved. He just looks a completely different player. Yeah. Well, we can talk about him now in in some more detail. I mean, that was was just an astonishing performance. And and for for once, uh, I agree with the... uh, the man of the match award in the stadium, yeah. but you can certainly make a case for some other players as well. But Slack wasn't even nominated, which I disappointed with. But then again, you could have had them all, couldn't you? But yeah, anyway. I mean, I think that's that says more about the team performance, I think, yeah. than, uh, than anything else. But yeah, Lundstrom, most shots of all players, most tackles, most attacking third passes. Obviously, got the two goals. I mean, that just that just completely underlines how he's playing in this team. It's, it's just a, yeah. an all-action hero at the moment, and he does he does everything. He tackles, he runs, he scores. He, you know, gets into the box. He sets up his teammates. I mean, if you know, he's got those three goals, so that makes him the um, it makes him our joint top scorer. Yeah, uh, with Musa, obviously. Um, I don't know if you remember earlier in the season, he, he absolutely laid some chances on a plate for, um, uh, particularly for McGoldrick. McGoldrick, yeah, yeah. You know, he should have a, he should probably have two or three assists to go with. You know what he's already put in as well. He's just doing it all. But I mean. You mentioned it with the fitness. I don't know whether you uh, you watched Match of the Day, didn't you? Yeah, I did. Yeah, yeah Ian so, Knight played him out. Yeah, yeah, they highlighted it brilliantly. Some of the runs that he made. I mean, he's, there's one in the second half where he, I think it's his um, the one he ends up putting wide for his for his hat trick on his right foot. Yeah. He must. He's in the. He's in our penalty area when Sharp picks that up on the halfway line, and then he, you know, he sprints like seventy yards or something ahead of everybody. I was going to say his pace has really surprised me. I know there was that uh, thing going around at the beginning of the season that he was our fastest player, and I think a lot of people turned their nose up about it. But his pace has been. I, I didn't. I really didn't know he had that in his locker. I always had him as a bit of a. I think. I think when they were at Oxford, he were a deep lying player, weren't they? A bit Norwood mm. as Norwood plays. I, I never saw him as a box to box player. It, to to that sort of degree of fitness uh, yeah. pace, I think he had the, the brilliant thing about him as a box to box player is he's quite clearly technically really good. That's why he played such a deep lying role at Oxford, and this is what I presume we probably brought him in as as a as a backup to Coots. I imagine initially, so we know he's got and he has got that range of passing. Sometimes he might be in the past to a few too many Hollywood balls, maybe. But the fact he's got that technical ability, that passing ability, and now he's mixed it in with this sort of you know this this box to box incredible energy as well mm. he has literally got everything you need for that role yeah we haven't even mentioned you know like the the back heel he does in the uh, in the West Ham game to mm. set up yeah. uh, to put Fleck in and things like that it's well this is the thing what, what's brilliant about him is even if he's not I, I'm trying to think I think Watford away I think that was possibly his poorest performance he was still good but even in that the energy he showed and he still offered everything you know what you can expect from him it's 
I don't know. I can't get my head around it. It's just confusing. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's the thing is, it's not um, like talking specifically about his goal scoring. I mean, that's not a fluke. You know, he's it's not like he's uh, just sort of chanced his arm from twenty odd yards and it's flown in. I mean, he's getting into that position again and again. I mean, you said you know could it. Could, Potentially have had five goals at the weekend. Yeah. But, you know, I think if you look through most of our games, there are times where he gets on the end of something, where he's he has burst into the box or you know got onto a knockdown or something like that. And yeah, th- you know, those are those are great chances he's getting on the end of. And there's yeah. you know there's so much so much credit to go to him for that for his energy and positioning as well. You know, knowing that all right, we're breaking down the left. This is my opportunity to um, you know to be the spare man at the back post and. Yeah, I've got to say that first goal, that is a really good finish. Yeah, I mean, yeah. you know, we, we talked about um, George Baldock's finishing against against West Ham, and it was my, my criticism there wasn't it wasn't really that he didn't score; it was kind of the manner in which he didn't score. Yeah, 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 yeah. Whereas, all right, you know, I'm, I'm comparing apples and oranges here because uh, you know Lundstrom is a, as we're saying, is a box to box midfielder, not a not a right back turned wing back, but. That was an absolutely classy finish. You know, I, I, I sort of thought he'd missed it at the other end of the ground. Even though I, was, I did as well, exactly the same because it was sort of it just placed it, and you think, first I mean, time, yeah. I mean, I don't think Pope moved, did he? he just completely bamboozled him. Well, I, th- I think he thought it was going wide or going to hit the post because it was just sort of drilled so perfectly into the corner. I mean, it, it was yeah. a good chance. It's not. A, I don't want to overplay um, the difficulty of the finish. If you like, it was a. Mm, where are we? Point th- uh, a point three, uh, a point four xG chance. So a very very good chance. You know, no no defenders in the way, but it's still it's still a hard skill to finish it like that. I think. So yeah, I, I couldn't be happier. I mean, when he was uh, you know Super Johnny Lundstrom starts ringing around the cop, a little bit emotional. I was like, that's that's amazing. Can you can you? And, and all last season, it? I think the, the the one criticism we had last season, I think, if any criticism, was probably that our midfielders didn't, mm. didn't score enough. Yes, and didn't get in the box enough. And yes, yes, yes. He's taken that role. That's exactly what we were missing last season. If we were missing any, obviously we got promoted, but being completely ultra critical, we didn't have that person to burst in the box. A bit like a Lampard sort of player mm. comes in unsighted, bang goal. Not saying Lundstrom's Lampard or anything, by the way, but yeah, yeah it's probably but, not uh, Steven Gerrard, I'd say. Yeah, that's more like <laughs> it. Yeah, we never had it, I and mean, now we have because he is. It's not a coincidence. He's probably had more chances than any other player on our team this season. It's certainly up there, I think. Uh, it's certainly, I think he's certainly created more. Um, I'll have to try and pull that up on, uh, on understat. But I don't yeah. want to worry people, by the way. But he's out of contract at the end of the season. Yeah, this is so he's. Um, I mean, he's surely going to get a new contract in the next few weeks it's or weird months. Isn't he? Before, like the season, you thought he was the sort of player who'd probably just leave by the back door. You won't really yeah. know it's gone. You know, he's oh yeah, lunch ended. All right, yeah, whatever. Now he's get this man a contract immediately. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, as I say, at twenty-five, you know, that's uh, yeah, prime. Yeah, yeah, there's plenty of uh, plenty of time to improve. Yeah, I'm just looking now. His, his expected assists. He's what is he? He's about. He's in the. It's just in, I think he's like thirty second for expected assists, but he's ahead of players like Richarlison, Buffal, Dwight McNeil, who we saw, Pulisic of Chelsea, Jorginho, De La Feu. Pretty decent company to be in there, I think. And he doesn't take the free kicks and corners neither, which I imagine sort Very of true. sort of weighs it in their favour. The people who do that. I mean, Norwood's obviously. If I had to pick someone who's going to get our most assists, I'd say Norwood just purely due mm. to the fact he takes the set pieces. But he don't even do that, Lundstrom. So no. 
It's uh, yeah, it's it's incredible. Uh, the only negative I can say about him this weekend was that the Sky commentators inexplicably called him Lundstram. I did hear that. Yeah, when I listened back, yeah, I did. both like, of them yeah. as well, commentator and co-commentator. I was like, mm. <laughs> it, it pronounced the Stram so sort of yeah. as if it were two names, Lundstram. <laughs> I don't know if they think he's Swedish or something like that. Yeah, even yeah. then, it's a pretty bizarre pronunciation. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, well, let's talk about the actual events of the game then and how they unfolded. We kind of touched on a few already, but um, I thought we started brilliantly, like even before we'd scored. I mean, I think my dad said to me after about 10 minutes, he's like, he's like I think that might be the best 10 minutes I've seen us have this season. And mm. we were bursting forward at every opportunity. I yep. mean, you know, I think... Funnily enough, all three goals have come from the left channel, but I actually think in that first sort of 15, 20 minutes, down the right with Baldock yeah. and um, Basham and Baldock, and Basham, yeah. they were just destroying um, Peters, their left back. Um, he had a couple of good bursts into the box from uh, from Fleck as well. I thought he was going to go down for a penalty, actually, where he sort of yeah. he kind of chested it on and ran through, but it, I think they sort of pulled out the tackle. Um, there was a good ball in by Basham, which Moussa didn't quite get on the end of. Another one from the right that um, McGoldrick fired wide. So, yeah, it was it was extremely promising, exciting. You know, I, I really expected it to be a much more even start with you know mm. us maybe not finding as much space as we did, but but low we did. And then the the first goal is is just um, I mean what a what a fantastic move. I think probably only topped by by what came later but it was just yeah. beautiful that ball down the line from Stevens McGoldrick makes the run crosses it Moussa Love I, it. I thought he'd missed this from the other I end. did when I watched it live I did yeah and then you see the replay and he I don't know how he does it but he does do it and he intends to do it he definitely he can, does yeah yeah, he somehow twists it he realises basically two defenders are going to block his way for a shot and kind of twists his body flicks the ball back and you know, it runs to Lundstrom perfectly, but there is also Fleck there as well. So he must have known we've got players coming in here. It was. I mean, we went to the pub after, and the highlights come on, obviously. And I, and I just watched it. I was, wow, look at that. Look at that. Mm. <laughs> you know, because I didn't see it at all at the time. Like everyone else, I presume, in the ground, I thought he just missed it. Yeah. It was it was fantastic, and then as I say, uh, Lundstrom comes in. He's about twelve yards out, and just just drills it into the corner. And there, it was funny after this because they were showing um, the the big screen had got like I don't know what they were advertising, but they're showing clips of previous home games this season. And of course, yeah. they showed his goal against um, Palace. Palace, yeah, very similar. Yeah, I was like, oh, they're showing the goal. From- oh no, wait, it's not the goal from this game. It's the goal. I bet Bailey fans are confused. <laughs> yeah, probably. Yeah, it's like just, that seems a much much sunnier day on the screen than it appears right now. Um, so yeah, that was that was one nil. It was it was just. I just you know when people talk about direct football, I think there's direct football and direct football. Um, you know, I think the Burnley yeah. brand of direct football that we saw, and it's, it's unfair to say that they're always like this, but this is certainly how they were on on Saturday in this game. It was launch it to a striker, whereas we were like, we're going to play a forty yard pass down the line to our striker, who's going to play a great cross to our other striker, who's going to flick it perfectly to our onrushing midfielder, and within what six or seven seconds we've gone from the left back spot to scoring a goal yeah and that's the kind of direct football that we i, I think I love it. yeah that's yeah. that i want to see that everyone what everyone wants to see that i mean as good as manchester city are you can't do that unless you've got certain amount certain players that is the the best kind of football to play i think or, or to watch anyway from a fan's point of view yeah just like speed of thought brilliant execution from everyone involved in that just almost 
just perfect football, basically, wasn't it? It was, mm. it was fantastic. Um, Burnley had a couple of so they had a couple of penalty appeals. I was kind of annoyed that match of the day gave so much airtime to this because I was like, you know, obviously there's a finite amount of time you're going to show from this game. Yeah, and they missed out a couple of they missed out uh, their chance as well. Their you know the Barnes chance, the Barnes one. Yeah, they didn't put that in, and I'm, that was their only real chance. <laughs> yeah, so instead they showed um, O'Connell making a tackle on Rodriguez from behind in the box, which uh, which was a corner, uh, was not given as a penalty. It was, I guess uh, it, it could have been given as a harsh penalty, maybe, but you know, not even Rodriguez appealed for it. No. Um, and I think no, that was no way near that. Now, yeah, yeah. And then, um, I mean, I'm only bringing these up because um, because Deitch did afterwards, um, mm. which was was a bit strange. I'll mention that. So the, the second one was this handball from O'Connell, and I want to be clear on this: this is not handball. Like by the laws of the game, this is not handball. His, no. arm, his arm is at his side. It's not above his shoulder. It's not in an unnatural position, as they say. Uh, it hasn't made his body unnaturally bigger. And you, you can debate what is, what does that mean? Making it unnaturally bigger. Well, having your arm down your, by your side is not making it unnaturally bigger. Having no, he like, couldn't get out of the way of it. It's not as no. if he stuck his arm out. I, I, I don't. I really didn't understand what Dash. I like Dash a lot, mm. but I know he complains about refs a lot. He's a bit. Warnockish in that sense, uh, but yeah, I I don't know what you were talking about. I've got to be honest because I mean, in fairness to him, the rest of the interview, I agree, he were really complimentary. I'm certainly not criticising, yeah. but for that, I, mean, I don't know. Maybe just looking through claret glasses. Maybe I, I just thought that was a bit. His, his post match interview was a bit sort of, you know, this kind of sorry, not sorry, like half apology kind of thing. It was like, yeah, Sheffield United were brilliant, um, but by the way, we should have had a couple of penalties. But I don't want to talk about that. I don't yeah. want to talk about the couple of penalties we should have had. The, the referee definitely should have given those penalties. I want to talk about Sheffield <laughs> yeah. United, so, which uh, I think is a bit of a theme with him so far this season. With uh, yeah. his, I think his he's announced that. I mean, you know, what I mean, we, we I'm actually a bit obsessed watching him in second half because he appeals for absolutely everything. <laughs> when the second half, I just kept turning around to the fans. Look at that! Look at he's like he got always got his arms out, always shouting. Which I know about. Mm. You know, he shows his passion and stuff. And we had it with Warren off for seven years, so it'd be hypocritical for us to criticise him too much really yes indeed I thought uh, I thought the referee was good actually um, yeah, I did yeah I, I, I did. think you know knock on wood here but uh, I think that's three good refereeing performances in a row from uh, who was it this weekend was it Simon uh, no no Atkinson Hooper was it I think Simon Hooper yeah sorry yeah, Atkinson. yeah I'm forgetting mixed up with yesterday's Tottenham match aren't uh, I yeah well we can talk about that a little bit later I suppose <laughs> um yeah, so I thought it was a, a good reference. And I, I was kind of surprised, you know, that Burnley fans were kind of giving it the, like, woo, whenever they got a foul and stuff. And, yeah. you know, you're not fit I to suppose referee. that happens every, every team when you're losing, doesn't it? I, I guess so, yeah. yeah. I just thought, you know, that the reason you're 3-0 down is not because the referee is not giving you a 50 No, 50 I didn't see much on the view from after really criticising the referee, to be fair. So. Yeah, that's fair. Um, okay, so then we, we get to the second goal. Uh, and th- and this, is, this is peak Sheffield United, I think. Just... Again. I'm going to make an admission here. I missed it. Oh, I went, no. I went, I went to the toilet. You know, Moose went down a couple of seconds before. Yes, you weren't alone. I, but... Yeah, and I thought, right. And my friend honestly next to me were going, oh, no, just wait till half time. And I goes, oh, it'll be five minutes. We'll be all right. We'll get to the toilet. Come back. Go into the toilet. And I heard cheering. And I thought it was Burnley because obviously you can't really tell. And I goes, oh. But I went outside. There's just all these United fans just cheering. <laughs> <I'm> <laughs> like, all right, so 
<laughs> well, at least you didn't miss the third goal. <laughs> Very nearly did because we ran up to the top of the. Because uh, we were on, uh, you know. Anyway, we had, we had basically stood at the top just to watch the end of the half. So we just got back up for that because everyone basically flooded back into the ground who went to the toilet. <laughs> so we were like sat at the back, sort of jumping around. But I did manage to get the third one, luckily. But yeah, that, that is lucky. Uh, well, let me let me explain the second goal for you, even though obviously yeah, you've seen it. So, <laughs> You know, typical nice interchange at the back. It comes out to O'Connell on the left wing. Uh, it works its way to Stevens, who plays a one-two with McGoldrick. This is what I liked about this. Mm. The, the sort of classic McGoldrick again. He's, he's basically in central midfield when this move starts, and he plays this great one-two with Stevens, who, who just leaves uh, Lowton in the dust. This cross from Stevens is world class I mean what a ball that is uh, you know in that behind the defence between the goalkeeper Mousse runs onto it I will generously say that he flicked it towards Lundstrom who once again I mean it's from his point of view kind of carbon copy of the first goal of like yeah, right the yeah. team are breaking down the left when that cross comes in I want to make sure if it's like over hit or just hit to the far post I'm on the end of it and this time it is a it is a simpler finish but, you know, like I say, you still got to give credit to him for being in that position from midfield. You know, he's not he's not a striker, he's a midfielder. And, yeah, gets there and slides it in. But just incredible football again. And like I said, you know, that, that direct move and the, the typical United interchange of, you know, a left winger, uh, excuse me, your, your left wing back's like one of your furthest players up the pitch and your centre your mm-hmm. forward's dropped into midfield. Absolutely fantastic. So I assume you yeah. enjoyed watching that on uh, I did. I've watched it back many, many times since. So, <laughs> so don't worry about it. There's actually a bit where Fleck's screaming for it. And I think if I'd have seen it live, I'd have been saying, pass it to Fleck, you know, because mm. we've got that many people running forward. That, yeah, brilliant goal. Absolutely. And I think all these people who obviously half watch the match of the day or whatever think we're a direct tide. Hopefully that's sort of changed a few opinions, at least just that those first two goals. Yeah, I think that's a good point you make about the players bombing forward because yeah, as mm-hmm. soon as um, uh, as soon as uh, Stevens gets kind of sprung by that one-two, yeah, there's four men running forward in there. They're, they're back three at that point because obviously Lowton's come up to kind of uh, try and cut off the the actual one-two. Yeah, yeah. Um, <laughs> do you think do you think Musa deliberately flicked that onto? Uh... I, I don't this time. I, I, I mean, you know, I'm, I'm still giving him that goal at Chelsea, so I'm gonna have to, you know, I'm not, I'm not giving him this neither. Now I think yeah. he just misses it. To be fair, yeah. Well, technically, he doesn't miss it because he, he gets a touch. He misses mm. the chance, I suppose. You mean. Sorry, yeah, yeah, yeah misses yeah, yeah. the chance. Yeah, so he does yeah. get a touch on it, um, which means that with the next goal, he is apparently the uh, the first French player to register three Premier League assists in one half. I oh, really? Is... That is a <laughs> How has someone got that stat so quickly? <laughs> God knows. That's um, I think that's from United's official Twitter. I pulled that one. Um, I mean, that kind of kind of underlines what a daft stat uh, yeah. assists are, really. But but there you go. He's still uh, still involved. I, I will actually say one. Um, I loved his reaction to that goal specifically, yeah. Moussa. Um, you know, so if you if you think he's missed the chance, you know, I, well, I don't want to like straw man argument this, but there's definitely other strikers where. They will have a, a little bit of like disappointment that they've not stuck that away, even if their teammate has. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But he immediately, like the second Lundstrom smashes it in, he like jumps and punches the air and then goes and hugs. Uh, he Stevens goes more mental across. than Lundstrom. <laughs> yeah, he actually does. Yeah, Lundstrom's almost almost looks embarrassed, doesn't he? <laughs> yeah, weird. yeah. Um, so I, I like to see that because um, I mean that that kind of to me kind of underlines this. Uh, well. You know, I don't have too much evidence for this, but this is the the narrative I'm I'm willing to run with that Musa is 
is enjoying playing football and he having certainly a, loves it. He certainly yeah, loves having an actual kind of defined role and, and getting minutes. Although you know, disappointingly, that's uh, he didn't score, so his uh, his, his goals per minute ratio yeah. has, has come down. A well, bit, he's so. actually been directly involved in seven of our goals this season. His three goals, three assists. The one at Chelsea where he's sort of put in yeah, uh, wow. or whatever. We've only scored twelve. <laughs> So and he's you know, only started he's, he's, twice. And he's only started twice. It's been what an impact he's made. I mean, I don't think you can overlook that. I think for someone who we were all really ooh, not sure about this one, this is a gamble. Mm. I mean, obviously, I'm not saying that's it. He is a success, definitely. But you can't ask for any more than that, surely. You know, being involved in seven out of our twelve goals and only starting two games. You really can't. And I think just sort of quickly. Just a bit of a deep dive into how we play generally, rather than just these two goals. But mm. I, I'm I'm just increasingly excited by what I see from him. I mean, yep. he just seems to have everything. I mean, forget forget the pace. There's there's bits of skill he does, and and control and composure on the ball. I mean, I don't know if I'm going a bit bananas here, but there's times he does remind me of McGoldrick with some of the things that he does. You know, when he drops and picks yeah, the ball definitely. up. Yeah, I can see that. Yeah, which is. That is quite exciting. He's twenty three years old, you know. There's there's a lot of potential there. And I think those two work absolutely fantastic. I mean, I, I did think I think I said it on here. I think you probably said the same. That out of all the partnerships, that did seem like the one that would work. You know, mm. with different sort of styles of play between. I mean, they're very similar in terms of the technique and stuff. But obviously, McGoldrick's got the link up play. Moose with his pace, and he's just working a dream in it at the moment. Yeah, and uh, yeah, we just. Um... You know, if, if we can get him to a stage where he can play ninety minutes every week, then mm. we're onto a we're onto a very good thing. I think. I mean, even yeah, even in this game, there was that one where we just I think Lundstrom just sort of chips it over the top, and he he runs fifty yards or so, doesn't he? Yeah. Gets to the ball, and Tarkovsky in the end ends up ends up getting a free kick, and it's it's pretty. It, it could have gone either way, I think. Yeah, but, um, I think we're unlucky with that. To be fair, yeah, yeah. It, was, it was quite good defending all the same, but yeah, just. That burst from from deep and yeah, is is fantastic. Is I'm really really excited about what he could be for us yep. this season and beyond. I suppose. Yeah. Um. So that kind of leads us to the the third goal, which which followed the second goal very very quickly. Um. Essentially, they kick off. It goes to Tarkovsky in the right back spot. Stevens challenges him, forces him into a mistake. Uh, Muse picks it up. Again, you know, the value of what he brings to the team, this brilliant reverse ball to Fleck, who's bursting from midfield. And he first time finishes it into the bottom corner. 3 0 up at half time. Another, you know, fantastically incisive, you know, we've gone from a nothing spot in midfield to in the back of the net in seconds. Just glorious. I'm glad you got to witness that one in person. Yeah, well, I don't know. I don't know if the, the joy on people's faces. I've not seen that for ages. Mm. I think it was half shock, half joy, half is this happening? Yeah. I've not seen that for a while with that third goal. I think to be three 0 up at half time in a Premiership game against a team as established as Burnley and as as tough as we thought that were going to be, to be after following on the back of the last. You know the performances against Arsenal and West Ham, or the results against Arsenal and West Ham, at least. Mm. I, I looked around. I think people just were just in absolute shock at what they were actually witnessing. <laughs> yeah, I, th- I think I was just laughing to be honest. Uh, yeah, I, I, it was a hard one to believe. Not that we didn't deserve it, but just no, no. Yeah, as you say, to be in that situation. I mean, we talked about Burnley before, and they are one of the best defensive teams in the Premier League. I mean, the numbers are taking a bit of a hit this week, but they're still. Yeah. Even with us putting up a lot of chances against them, they still have the sixth lowest expected goals against. So they're still, you know, what, an upper echelon defence. 
and as, as we said they played a lot of good teams in that run as well um, but yeah this this was beautiful it was it was a great ball from Musa. Um the run from Fleck yet again is you know like we were saying about the, yeah. the flat three in midfield you're getting men forward and what a finish just first time slides it into the bottom corner his first Premier League goal um, not before time I suppose no. but yeah just, just magnificent it's all, I was just, just looking at the table now as well. I mean, for all the talk of um, we we lack goals and and obviously the three goals in one game makes a huge difference. We've actually scored more than Norwich now, and I think everybody thought that Norwich were going to be a team who scored more than us, but pos- possibly conceded more. Mm. It's not looking that bad at the moment anymore, is it? I mean, but the goal sort of far record was looking a bit. Like I was struggling here. Got twelve and eleven now. It's not. You know, you're not going to be shouting from the rooftops or anything like that, but that's not a bad return, I don't think. It's not, no. I'll just quickly bring up last year's uh, Premier League table because I wonder how many teams scored like 40 goals last season in mm. that lower range. I know Brighton didn't. So, yeah, you've got Newcastle with 13th with 42, Burnley 15th with 45, Southampton 16th 45, and then the four teams at the bottom all scored less than a goal a game. Yeah. I've only scored six, for instance, this season. Oof. That's shocking, isn't it? <laughs> yeah. yeah, two of those against Arsenal in one game where they, they should have had hundred. But <laughs> yeah, well, so that was that was three 0 at half time, um, and I, I did say I, I don't know if I said this to you, it might be to my dad before for the game, but I was saying we're going to have a game this season where every shot flies in. You know, where we we've not obviously we're not a high chance creation team so far this season, but we do still create chances, and you know, th- there's definitely been high profile misses, and I. I was kind of saying, you know, one one of these days we're going to have a game where we just score from our first two shots. You know, one one yeah. of them's not a good chance, one is a good chance. They both go in with two 0 up immediately, and that's going to happen soon. Yeah, and I, this wasn't it. These weren't fluky goals. They no, were, you could they, argue possibly that the Everton game we had, you know, we got two goals out of one chance. But yeah, I, yeah, this is definitely not this one. Yeah, I, I was talking specifically about like uh, early in the game, you know, just uh, oh, sorry, right, just, yeah, just, I get get, just yeah. immediately getting a couple of goals ahead from yeah know, from our first two bits of good play. But yeah, these these are big chances created from fantastic play. It wasn't like a defensive lapse. I mean, maybe yeah, maybe Burnley would argue otherwise. But I, I, to be honest, I didn't see him make any mistakes in those goals whatsoever. I think the third one, obviously, is it Tarkovsky is mess, sort of messing around with it a bit too much and gets gets it nicked off him by Moussa. But the mm. first two, definitely not. Yeah, and there's still a lot to do, isn't there, with that third goal? Yeah, oh yeah, it's brilliant pass. ball, brilliantly weighted pass. And uh, yeah, an outstanding finish from Fleck. Um, yeah, on the run, first times it into the corner from, from pretty much the edge of the area, I think, wasn't he? Like, just inside yeah. the box, sorry. Just inside, I think he... Did he take a touch? Yeah, took a touch, then put it in, didn't he? Yeah. Oh, did he? Maybe. Yeah. I think I might be wrong. I've, I've watched it enough times, but <laughs> yeah. Um, but yeah, a harder chance than it kind of looks. I guess scored fourteen uh, percent of the time per mm. xg. So not mm. not a total tap in or anything like that. I think it helped that he took it early. Yeah, I know. Well, that surprised me as well. I think, and uh, yeah, in it fizzed. Um, and so I wonder for... if the Liverpool chance, sorry, the Liverpool chance from a couple of weeks ago had that in his mind. You know, when he took that extra couple of touches where he shouldn't have. Yeah. I wonder if he thought, right, I'm just going to lever this one now. <laughs> <laughs> Hopefully. Um, so that was the first time we've had two different scorers uh, in a game this season. Uh, Other than LG. <laughs> LG, yeah. Uh, it was also the first, obviously the first time we scored three goals in a game, full stop. Yeah. We've done it before half time. Second half, as I said, you know, we we kept going, we kept creating chances. I mean, they had uh, the Barnes chance that you mentioned, but even that, it comes off a deflected cross, doesn't it? It's yeah. not 
so, all right, they're sort of pressing a little bit, but I don't know if it takes a double deflection, then he just kind of swings a boot at it, and it's a good chance. I'm sure he'll feel he should have at least hit the target, but, you know, again, not like we're getting carved open or anything no, like that. No, one of those things, you could have gone anywhere, that ball, yeah. Yeah, they had another... Henderson made a save from a corner, which I think actually came off our man. Um, mm. Certainly, uh, Opta have registered zero shots on target for, okay. um, right. for Burnley. So, yeah, I was surprised when I, when I saw that. I was like, mm, I think you've got that wrong, mate, because I'm pretty sure Henderson made a save. But uh, having watched it again, I'm pretty sure it comes off our man, so that would be why. Um, but, yeah, the other end, you know... Uh, McGoldrick had that header, which was very difficult. Um, yeah, he did well to get onto that, actually. I, I think he did really well. Yeah, Stevens had that shot. Uh, he just randomly popped up in the middle of the penalty area from, uh, <laughs> yeah. from open play and uh, kind of chested it and volleyed it, um, but defender blocked it wide, yeah. which is a shame. I, I can't totally remember the circumstances around it, but I felt like it was a really good move or a good bit of play or something that led to it. I think, and, um, yeah, they were a little, like a layoff, and then, uh, yeah, he, he possibly should have hit it first time if I'm nitpicking, but he could have gone in, you know, he took a deflection, he could have gone anywhere, really. Yeah, Lundstrom had a volley from a corner, which is a very sweet strike on the uh, yeah. on the left peg for uh, what would have been his hat-trick, um, yeah. and what a hat-trick goal that would have been. Um, he also had that one on the counter-attack where he, he cut inside and, uh, yeah, sort of curled a left foot mm. shot wide. The best chance, um, which, again, is for me, is just, like, this is McGoldrick value. Is this yeah. this chance on the counter attack for um, that Sharp had? Yeah, I mean McGoldrick. The the work he does defensively is well. I don't know if it is underrated. I think perhaps everyone rates it at this yeah. point. But he's always been good at this, you know, at pressing and winning it. And I think he, you know he, he does win a lot of headers from their corners as well. I think, but this one he nicks it off Cork in midfield, dribbles kind of from the halfway line to their box, lays it off for Sharp and. Sharp. I don't know. It, 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 I don't feel like he hit it properly, almost, and uh, and Pope ends up saving. I think it, a but... decent save. I don't think he did. I think he was really uh, frustrated with himself after. To be honest, Sharp was looking at his face and still straight after it. I think he thinks that you know that should have been a goal. Yeah, I was desperate for him to score that. Yeah. Not least because we've only scored one goal in front of the cop this season. I think. Yeah, no, yeah, I saw that. I didn't realise that myself. To be honest. Yeah, and that was McBurney uh, um, against Leicester. Everything else has been uh, been down the far end where I'm sat. But that was uh, just. I love that play from a goal. You know, not only to nip in. And make the tackle but then it, we don't have many players who can do what he then did which is dribble with it 60 yards and alright it's not under pressure but he has the ability where he's like I don't need to give this to a midfielder Yeah, I can and, drive and with this the calmness of the pass as well. I think everyone shoot, mm. shoot. Which is, that's what you do, you know. But just that sort of awareness of being what were around him. He could have passed it to lunch and he could have passed it to. Sh- I think he made the best option to be fair. But yeah, yeah, brilliant, absolutely fantastic. He had another great game again. I thought. Yeah, he did. Um, just yeah, like a really clever reverse pass and um, you know perfectly weighted. I think for Sharp as well, which is why I was you know just a bit disappointed in finish it mainly because I just wanted that highlight moment of like. What a goal this is going to be if this yeah. ends up in the back of the Do you think it would have been brought back? No, I don't think so. I don't think it would have been. But I know like Jack Cope were just rolling around until we missed it and got immediately got up again. <laughs> yeah, I think to be, I think he just surprised him because he yeah, obviously nips, nips around the back of him and nicks it away. And All right, there's a, there's a little bit of contact, but I, I don't think that's a foul. To nah, me, I agree. So I'd, be, I'd be very surprised if that had been brought back. Um and then we, yeah, the, the sort of final chance, the the moment for Lundstrom to, to write his name in folklore if it isn't already on the counter-attack. And I've got to give Sharp yeah. a lot of credit here. Um, Brilliant, yeah. Because it's, uh, I think it's O'Connell just sort of plays it down the line. And uh, it reminded me of the goal, 
he scored against uh, Derby a couple of seasons ago, Sharp. You know, where it was like, I think their goalkeeper had come up, hadn't he, for a corner and we yeah. just hit, hit yeah, it down yeah, yeah. the line and he, he had a bit of work. All right, the net was empty, but he had a bit of work to do. And obviously this time the net was not empty. Um, but yeah, he, he, like, he actually reminded me of the Leeds goal, um, oh, you know, the Basham goal. That's a much but better comparison. He, he held it up really well. I mean, obviously in that game, Cooper made a, a, an error. But I, I mean... I'm going to say it again. I'm going to get hammered on. I mean, he's obviously not the fastest player in the shop, as I can often point out. But that just shows, I think, now how much he's grown as a footballer. Mm-hmm. I think he's. I, I think ten years ago he wouldn't have done that. I don't think he would have been able to do it. I think his intelligence and the way he holds it up and the layoff were perfect. Really, I thought, yeah, yeah that were absolutely brilliant from Sharp. That. Yeah, so he, he sort of slips it through a few defenders, and uh, Lundstrom runs onto it. Probably could have had a touch and steadied himself, and maybe he made got a, a bit giddy, didn't he? <laughs> I, think, I think he did. Maybe, maybe uh, could have made a slightly better angle for himself and uh, slid it wide. Unfortunately, it would have been a yeah. I mean, I, I I can't even think about how good a moment that would have been. But I know, yeah. We'll we'll not get too greedy. Um, I actually laughed after because just the idea of it happening. I was like, yeah. <laughs> I think I think everyone was to be honest, and uh, yeah, I think that was the last uh, last significant action of the game. Really, I don't know if I've missed. Any uh, any particular chances, but I mean, no, I don't think there were any chances after that, that I can remember anyway. But I've rattled those off. I mean, we had the first two goals essentially are tappings. Uh, Fleck is a one on one. Lundstrom has two other chances that are, uh, well, all right. The left footed one was difficult, but that was essentially a one on one as well. The last one I just yeah. mentioned, the um, Billy Sharp one was uh, again a great chance. That was a point three four xg chance. We really carved them open in this game, um, and that's so satisfying. I mean, yeah. it was our highest, um, our highest XG of the season by by miles, um, two point five eight. It's the first time we've cracked two in a game, uh, and and they only generated point um, seven two, and and almost, in fact, more than half of that was that Barnes chance. That, that Barnes chance, yeah. yeah they, they did pretty much nothing else. They only had six shots in the whole game to our thirteen. We created five big chances, which is is massive. I mean, that is just yeah. devastating attacking. Um, and yeah, it was you know this was a, a three nil win that, if anything, uh, was a little bit flattering to Burnley. I thought. And I, I said after the game, I said I, I don't know if it was just the euphoria of uh, of the victory, but I said if we had come out with that five nil, I don't think realistically Burnley fans can say that were harsh. No. Not, not in the slightest. I mean, with the the quality of chances we've had there, a bit more composure, a slightly you know, slightly better finish here or there. That's that's easily four or five nil. Yeah. Um, and I guess you could say credit to Burnley for, you know, they they didn't they didn't shut up shop and at three nil and just be like, we'll just see this out. Mm. You know, they, they were leaving gaps, but then I think also that's that's kind of credit to how good we were that we were able to exploit those gaps. Yeah, as well. definitely. Yeah. Um, I want to talk about Burnley. Uh, what did you make of them this game? Because I think I feel like we talked them up quite a lot um, and have been pretty respectful of their ability, which is justified. You know, the established Premier League team. Sort of, yeah, sort of the ultimate off day alert. I think <laughs> when, when I was doing the view from, I just I got so many messages on Twitter saying announce off day. <laughs> so uh, yeah, and, but I think that's it. I mean, to, like I said earlier, I think they, they reminded me of a mid-table Championship team. I thought they were there were no real direction to the play I think they were just lumping it up and going for second balls very sort of old stylish do you know what I mean mm. I, I, I'm not gonna I, they're gonna stay up I'll be amazed if they play oh, that yeah. again this season to be honest but on that one particular performance that yeah they were re- I'd have been really unhappy if you know I put that in at any point this season 
Yeah, I would as well. Just so... I think the big thing for me was they never deviated from plan A, which very quickly became apparent wasn't going to work. I mean, uh, I talked to... You obviously heard this, but I talked to uh, a Burnley fan, Natalie Bromley, of uh, No Name Never podcast, and she was saying Chris Wood um, <clears throat> is is like immensely important to them, yeah. the other striker. I would like him when he weren't on the team sheet, to be honest. Quite, yes. Um, so I don't know, maybe things would have been... Slight. Maybe, you know, if you pair him with Ashley Barnes, that's, you know, that's more of a nuisance factor, but... You know, it's one of these where they're basically just hitting straight balls for like 40, 50 yards to Barnes. And it's like, well, if whoever's marking him doesn't win it, we're going to pick up the second ball. Cause we I have... was really surprised because I know that they are renowned Burnley to have been a bit more direct than the rest of the Premiership teams. But I was really surprised that they kept doing it. And it yeah. was clear. there were no plan B. And I don't know if that's normal for Burnley. I've not watched enough of them to know if that's the case. If, if that sort of direct play doesn't work, then there are ideas. But on that particular day that was certainly the case yeah I mean yeah talking of plan B so half time uh, Eric Peters goes off who was not good in that first half but I, I don't think you can say it was his fault that um, you know Lundstrom gets those two goals kind oh, no, of no, no, left back no. spot um, in fact I think Lowen was potentially at fault for uh, well he certainly got you know the, the goals kind of come from his side if you yeah, like yeah really poor um, actually after that yeah so, so he goes off Peters that takes the left back off um and I'm like trying to work out who's coming on. And I'm thinking, right, they're switching to a back three here. They're going to try and match us up and do something different. And what do they do? They take one left back off and replace him with another left back. Yeah, well, like, I thought I thought the same, and I thought, well, now there must be. So I, I must have missed something here because they must be changing it in a way that you know maybe this guy can play here, and I've not realised that he can play in this position. But they didn't. <laughs> yeah, it was it was bizarre. I mean. Um, you know, uh, Berkshire Blade uh, tweeted this one, and it's, it's such a great point. Um, you know, there's a reason teams tend to switch away from four four two against us. You know, we've seen mm. we've seen Bournemouth do it. I think we've seen Southampton do it. I think Leicester possibly play like that anyway, but they certainly yeah. went to a, a back three as well. And you know, this is not like you say. Burnley are clearly going to stay up, but I was really surprised. They, it was almost like they didn't, they hadn't thought about. How they their style would match up against ours? I mean, I don't know. I presume maybe they just thought they might have they might have had that little bit more quality than we have. So why not play their own game? But when it's yeah. not working, you're three 0 down at half time. That surely is a, you know. I mean, even we against West Ham, we changed it one hmm. 0 down. We went with obviously McGoldrick as like a, a a link man, if you like, or a number ten because it wasn't working. And we've seen mm. Wilder many a times change things, putting Basham in midfield and what have you when things are not going right. Or to just carry on, yeah, really strange, actually. Yeah, I couldn't understand it. And it, it, not just from an attacking point of view as well, but we, you know, so obviously playing four four two, you have four defenders, um, only two in the middle and two full-backs. We absolutely killed them down the sides in the first mm. half. I mean... Yeah, it's, I mean, it, ma- it must have been massive alarm bells for Deitch, I would have thought. I mean, I mentioned those, you know, all the attacks were getting down the right, but then in the left, I mean, we, we'll just, we'll have that all day if teams are going to play four at the back where, you know, Lowton's come up to the halfway line to um, to press Stevens yeah. and and left like 40 yards of space behind him. Well, we'll this just... is what I said in the first half, that it was really simple, really. It was just a ball down the, down the left or the right every single time and we yeah. had so much space. But, yeah, I'm, I'm really confused. I'd like to hear from a Burnley point of view, actually. I think they've got a podcast. She does the No Name Never podcast. I might have a listen to that and see how they're yeah. 
are they like sort of dissecting that? Because from my point of view, as a as an outsider looking in, I can't understand at all what they were thinking. No, we we will honestly we will kill teams if they do that against us this season yeah. because we're so good down the sides because of the way we rotate because O'Connell can play on the left wing because McGoldrick can drop into central midfield. I mean that was it was just a field day and you know that first goal. Uh, so excuse me, I think it's the it's the second goal and it went Lowton stepped up. And they they essentially then have a back three because Peters drops in, um, but he obviously comes across because you've got Fleck and Musa in the middle, and that yeah. leaves the space for Lundstrom at the back stick. So, yeah, I, I was baffled they didn't try anything different at all. And um, yeah, I thought you know Dwight McNeil, who, who is a talent, uh, again uh, talked about him a lot on the on the previous pod. You know he's probably going to be in the England squad in not very long at all, but mm. he was he was nowhere, was he? We, yeah, yeah, we just completely shut him down. Um, a, a bit like Robert Snodgrass, I was quite pleased when he went off, just uh, just for his potential. But on, yeah, I mean, just because he can do something. Yeah, I understand that. Yeah, but on the day, I mean, yeah, it was it was sixty two completely ineffective minutes from him. Um, and yeah, I was I was just surprised by how I thought they'd. I don't know. I thought they'd compete with us more. I thought we, you know, just very comfortable. Whenever we had the ball, we were able to get round them very quickly. You know, whatever press they put on us, it was easy enough to break. And um, yeah, they they really did not particularly lay a glove on us, even if. I mean, we on, on that performance, they are the worst team they've played this season. And uh, you know, I, I don't think they are the worst team in the league or anything like that. But I think they were worse than Watford, for instance. I think Watford at least had a, some sort of a plan. Mm, yeah, Palace were bad. Um, Palace were bad, but at the same time, we, we didn't create too much. Against we didn't create Palace. too much against them, and you saw. I, well, I, you sort of knew that Zaha were never, you know, he's going to get better as the season goes on and stuff. And hmm. they had a few injuries, I think, as well. Palace, and I know Burnley had a few as well, obviously. But yeah, I don't know. Maybe, maybe it was an actual off day for once. <laughs> it could have been, but I think that's because, uh, yeah, we made them look that way as we tend to with everyone, really. Um, yeah. I mean, there was one bit at the end where I just had to laugh where they were just. I mean, it, I think we're into injury time. Obviously, three 0 up, and you know they're sort of trying to play down their right hand side. O'Connell just kicks it out for a, a throw into them. They throw it in, cross it. O'Connell heads it out for another corner. They throw it, a throw in rather, throw it in again. O'Connell just heads it out again. I, I, I think he made like in about twenty seconds of game time, made about four clearances, and it was just yeah. like. I, I, that just really summed it up for me. I mean, Connell's clearly like, yeah, that's fine, mate. If you want to just keep chucking it in my general direction, we're 3-0 up. You can have another throw in, try again. On the subject um, of O'Connell, if he doesn't get in the next England squad, I'm going to support Ireland because <laughs> there is no there is no way that Tyro Mings and Mac, Michael King got dropped yesterday for Everton. If they are yeah. in above him, and obviously, I can't never pronounce anyone who's got not an, a completely English name. <laughs> the, the, the Burnley centre half, obviously, that, that's the guy. He made a mistake, obviously, on Saturday. I don't think O'Connell's made a single error this season. I, if he can't get in the team, and, and Tyrone Mings, who has sort of come from the same sort, all right, he played for Burnley in the Premier League before or whatever, but he come from the Championship last season, basically. Yeah, I'm not having it. I'm going to support Ireland. I'm going to buy an Ireland shirt, and yeah, that's it. That's, <laughs> I've asked for Southgate. <laughs> <laughs> well, we sort of support Ireland anyway, don't we? With our, yeah, that's our it. Irish yeah, yeah. But I yes. just can't see a reason now. I think before, I think the start of the season, I think we discussed it, that Tamori gets in. You think, yeah, yeah, I can understand that. Yeah, yeah, Ming's possibly, uh, you know, Keane's a bit more established. we played 12 games. Is it 12 games? 11, 11 games. 11 games. There's no way O'Connell does not get in that squad for me. He, he really, really, really should. 
Um, yeah, to the if point. If gets in ahead of him, I'm uh, yeah, I'm, I'm throwing a lot up on his life. But speaking of international shirts, we, I can confirm, having witnessed it in person, that the Columbia yep. shirt was in attendance. And yeah, I mean, well, what I did it every time we got a corner, I unzipped my coat. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but that didn't seem to work. We obviously didn't score off a corner this week, so it was just under there. Because it was a bit too cold to just wear the shirt itself. So yeah, uh, but yeah, it worked again. I'm delighted with it. Uh, Going to be wearing it again for the Tottenham match. Did anybody notice and say anything? No one did actually. I, I, I were in on London Road after, and I had it, you know, out for everybody to see. And, and no, no, I'm quite disappointed that I have that little fame that that little amount of people listen to this and they, they don't know about <laughs> the glory of the Columbia shirt. But now I'll be wearing it. Um, I don't want to. I don't want to big it up. I'm not going to go for the alternative man of the match this week because I don't want to. I don't want to get cocky. Yeah. That's fair. Uh, yeah. All right. <laughs> <laughs> right. We'll get to that in a moment. Um, just other random bits of information that have come out from this game. So we obviously have the joint least or joint fewest, depending on your uh, desire for grammatical accuracy. <laughs> the joint lowest yeah. amount of goals conceded in the Premier League so far this season. Us, yeah. Leicester and Liverpool. Oh, excuse me. Just us and Leicester with eight goals. I'm going to say just us and Leicester now, isn't it? Yeah. That is right. Um it's the least amount of goals conceded by a promoted side after 11 games in Premier League history. Mm. And all right, football started uh, did not start in 1992. But that, that is still quite a body of work. That's getting on for three decades of football yeah. now. Yeah, that... I think, yeah, I think in, forget the Premier League when it started. I think you can only go back so far. There were more teams in the league and everything, weren't they? So it's, it's diff- it's, it is completely different. Yeah, and the game has changed as well, obviously. Yeah. Um, it's a lot harder, for instance, now to come up. You can't. Watford came up one season and finished second. You know, the the, mm. the year after that just don't happen anymore. So I do think you have to have some sort of a cut off point to, you know, get a general idea of how well you're doing. Yeah. Well, when was the uh, backpass law introduced? Was that exactly at the? Uh... I think that was 1990. Because oh. I think it was just after Italian night. Oh, after Cups, Italian night, yeah. Because so... everyone said that was so boring. Yes. <laughs> so obviously, full change. Yeah. So the. I, I know that you get the. Uh, it's quite an easy sort of clapback, isn't it? They're like, well, you know, football started before Sky, you know, but the game changed a lot with the uh, introduction of the back pass law, I think, mm-hmm. particularly from a defensive point of view. It so. definitely did. I mean, I watched like games back now, do you know, like old games oh, that you on ESPN or whatever, and you're yeah. like, pass back, oh no. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It's, it's incredible how different it makes the game. I mean, there's this this sides you would just literally spend 10 minutes passing it back to. The, I think Denmark did it in. I oh, know they can't have. Did, yeah, could, oh no, it's throwing because you could pick it up from a throwing, couldn't you? All oh, right. And they used they had a t- weird tactic in the in the Euro '92 where they sort of almost tried to get a throw in their own half so they could throw it back to the goalkeeper to waste a bit of time. <laughs> Shocking! Imagine Rory Delap in a in a pre backpass law world. Like, yeah. Basically, got a throwing in their half, just beans yeah. it all the way back to his keeper. And Stoke would have tried that. I would have thought. <laughs> <laughs> Most likely. Um, John Lundstrom, the first Blades player to score two Premier League goals since. Do you know this? I'll give you a clue. It was in 1994. Uh, He was a striker. uh, Nathan Blake. Yes, very good. Yeah, I've not even read that one, so I'm happy with that. (laughs) Yeah, that's impressive. I would never have got that. Uh, (laughs) So that was in April 1994. Uh, I mentioned the Musso start with the, the three assists. We've now equaled Huddersfield's points total for the whole of last season. And, you know, all right, that's that's. Not a great achievement in itself because Huddersfield were abysmal and got relegated, finished bottom. But we've done it in eleven games. Well, Adrian Durham, I know he's only a troll and he probably doesn't really mean what he says, but he did say when they get worse, uh, get a lower points total than Huddersfield. So that's one 
complete that's a pundit we've completely nullified now we've, we've sort of proved that factually wrong yes agreed um more relevant or more interesting to me is uh we're one point better off than wolves were at this stage last season having also scored one more and conceded four less that's that is incredible that. that is remarkable i mean maybe somebody can come up with a, a better example but i, I think I think you could probably make a case this is the best start by a Premier League team, uh, a newly promoted Premier League team in history, surely. As in, I in can't think of anyone off the top of my head. Maybe. I, was Premier League start when Blackburn came on? I, I don't know sure. if they. I don't know if that was the Premier League in Newcastle. Obviously, they sort of. I don't know if. I don't know if that was just pre. You know the Premier League when they come up and I think they like finished top four or whatever straight away. But yeah, in the in the modern era, shall we certainly say, certainly in the last ten years, I mean, 10, that, 15 that, years, yeah. That Wolves team was certainly uh, and very justifiably talked about as a you know an incredible promoted team. They were a great side and they, they played brilliant. Last I love watching yeah. them last season as well. Yeah, and and I expected them to be that. I think I picked them before the season. I said they'll easily be top ten because. The quality of players they've got in the championship. I mean, a blooming Porto's captain who played in the Champions League was playing. <laughs> yeah. um, to, so to be a point better off than they were is sensational. I can't. I can't get over it. I can't stop looking at the league table, even though I don't really want to. You know. Yeah, everyone's been the same because I mean, like, it might be the highest we get. I imagine it will be. I can't imagine us getting in the top five at any point this season. So just enjoy it. Have a look at it, and you know, and. There's going to be bad times. We're going to go on bad runs again and stuff like that. But to, I can't overestimate how good we've been, and I think people need to really enjoy it and really need to understand that. You know, let's not get above the stations. This is incredible. What's happening? We're, we are not. I think this is why the joy and the shock were so so many people's faces when we went three 0 up. Mm. That this is this is Sheffield United. Then you know, when we went under Warnock, I think we're going to come onto that team, aren't we? Later, uh, when we went up under Warnock, it was always the bottom half. Always, you know. How, how far are we off the bottom? You know, three points off this. I've never seen United this good in my lifetime. Yeah, I think it's a, I think it's a fair shout. I mean, I don't want to get carried away with league position. I mean, the sort of underlying numbers are of a mid-table team, you know. Yeah, and uh, that's, again, that is fantastic. <laughs> it is fantastic. Yeah, exactly. So there's kind of yeah, there's sort of two sides to it. And there's like, you know, we've not fluked our way where we are. If you like, you know, we're not fluked our way to 16 points from 11 games. You know, maybe you could say, no. well, we're, we're kind of benefiting from some other teams really struggling who don't normally like Spurs and Man United, that kind yeah. of thing. But but that's a league table at the end of the day. I mean, we're, we're much more likely to finish mid-table than we are in six, for sure. That's not a, yeah, you know, yeah, f- yeah. find me a bookmaker that disagrees with me on that one. Um, <laughs> yeah. But at the same time, that's amazing. You know, we were, we, everyone, everyone had us to finish bottom of the league, never mind blooming getting relegated. My, my and, friend at the Palace game I went with, and he said, the, these games, like the early games, are, more, are just as important as the latter games, and you don't really see it like that, do you? I know that sounds mm. a, bit, a bit odd, but when it gets to the end of the season, like we need three points here, that Palace at home to, to accumulate this amount of points already. Yeah. Just if we do go on a bad run or we get a lot of injuries or something, you know, Norwich have obviously got loads of injuries. Something like that happens to us. To have those points already on the board is massive. Mm. Completely agree, and, and I, I genuinely. I think if we win six more games out of twenty-seven, I think we stay up. I think that's enough because that yeah, gives us a, that, yeah. that gives us another eighteen points. So that puts us on thirty-four. Throw in six draws out of those other games. Yeah, that's forty points. I mean, that's I said before the season. I thought if we can win ten or twelve games, we'll stay up. But I think I actually think you can revise that win total down now because we've mm-hmm. got all these away points. Yeah, yeah. I'm really the, looking forward to the next two as well because. 
to a degree the pressure's off because it's, it's still Tottenham it is still Man United they are still big clubs we are still going to be expected to lose yeah. but it's what a time to play them that is you know, with the confidence we must have and how low them two are I'm, yeah well we said it before the game didn't we in the pub like <laughs> we almost wish we were playing uh, Man U at home today and not and, Burnley yeah. yeah exactly Yeah. and I stick by that so yeah br- bring that one on all right, let's let's take a quick break then, and uh, then we'll come back. And uh, I want to I want to just do a quick comparison with uh, a United Premier League team of the past. All right, a quick break to hear from one of our sponsors. First of all, let me hit you with a question: How does the offer of free beer sound to you? I know it sounds extremely good to me. Well, the good folk at Beer Fifty Two are offering just that to Blades Pod listeners. All you need to do is go to beer52.com slash bladespod, sign up and cover just the £4.95 for postage. They will send you a case of eight free beers. And these aren't just any beers. Beer 52 are the world's most popular craft beer discovery club. They traverse the globe to find the best and most interesting craft beers from the greatest small batch breweries the world has to offer. They're on a mission to find the best beers out there and deliver it to their members each and every month. So... If, like me, you like trying something new when it comes to your beer, Beer 52 is definitely the one for you. Beer 52, don't hold you to ransom. You can leave at any time with no cost to you. So sign up today, get your free case of craft beer. You can get it from beer52.com slash bladespod. That's the word beer, then the number's 52.com slash bladespod. Thanks very much, and now back to the pod. All right, so we're obviously talking a little bit there, looking at some, uh, I guess, historic uh, other promoter teams in the Premier League. And it, it just sort of struck me um, how good this team is compared to the 2006-07 Sheffield United team. So I wanted to do, just very quickly, because I know we've, we've kind of rattled on for a, a long time already, I wanted to just quickly do a sort of position-by-position position Who is there anyone you would swap from that 06-07 team into this team today and the, the kind of purpose of the exercise is um, the fact that I think we're so much better equipped to survive in the Premier League this time out I think we have so much more quality not not to influence your answers here and make it no, seem like no, a pointless no. exercise but, but this was kind of what I was thinking I was like running I was just sort of thinking like who is is there anyone from that 06 07 team that uh, would slot into this team and I'm talking specifically about the first team not the, uh, not the squad itself because that probably makes it a bit more even but I guess we have to take some liberty as to because because obviously we are playing a three five two and we didn't play that back then. But you know, for the sake of this, let's say you know, would you rather have Ender Stevens as your left back compared to someone else and compare centre backs to centre backs? So mm. um, yeah, let, let's. So again, I take some liberty with what I think was our best team at that point because actually at this stage of that season we just won away at Newcastle, uh, which was a good result, obviously. Mm. I, I think, think we were bottom of the league, weren't we? But, and then we won that and uh, obviously went off the bottom. So I think you might be right. It was our first away goal, I believe, in uh, in game number 11. Um, I know. And, and I was going to do a, a like-for-like comparison with that team, but it was not a good team, um, no. to be honest. It certainly wasn't our strongest team of that season. So here we go. Uh, goalkeeper, Paddy Kenny or Dean Henderson? Would you... Oh. And let, let me put it this way: Would you swap Dean Henderson for Paddy Kenny? And obviously, no. this is in their peak. I won't either. I think I think that's a I think that's a toss up. I like Paddy Kenny. Don't get me wrong, and I thought he was really good, but he was prone to the 
most ridiculous of it. I know Anderson's made a couple this season, but when he came running out of his goal against Everton to pull Andy Johnson down uh, at home, I always remember that. But he was a good goalkeeper. I think it's one of the closer ones I think we'll have. Yeah, that, well, that's what I mean. And I just want to point out, I did say toss up when I was yeah. Paddy Kenny there, just in case anyone thought I was uh, being <laughs> insulting. Um, yeah, I think that's close. I think they're both very good. I thought this, this weekend, actually, Henderson obviously had a very quiet game with uh, zero shots on target, apart from one from his, uh, his own man. But I... I thought you really saw his intelligence and commanding his box his in this game. His punches were fantastic against punches the big side. Fantastic. There were times when he read the he read the long pass from Burnley so brilliantly, and he was mm. already on his way. You could see it as like their defenders are winding up to kick it. He's already on his way to the edge of his yeah. area to mop it up. That was brilliant. But yeah, I think would I swap Henderson for Paddy? Obviously, there's some recency bias here, but no, I wouldn't. Um, I think he's. Uh, I, I think they're comparable goalkeeping abilities. Um, left back. Ender Stevens or Chris Armstrong? Stevens, every day of the week. I liked Armstrong. Yeah. I thought he put everything into it and stuff. And obviously, had a lot of troubles in his career later on. I, I, I like him as a player, but he's not a patch on Ender Stevens. Yeah, I uh, I agree with all of that. I, I did like him a lot. Um, and yeah, it was, it was sad that his career had to end so soon as well. Yeah. It, was, uh, it, was, it was on for some good things. But yeah, Stevens is, Stevens is another level in it. I mean, yeah, yeah, yeah. I saw it again this week, and it's just... <laughs> I've running out of things to say about him. He's so good. It's it's a pleasure. Yeah, I to think watch he's it. one of the been one of the best wing backs in the Premier League, and I really do mean that. And I'm not. I I'd like to think I'm not a biased fan in that sense. I, I can't. I can't praise him enough. He's been absolutely brilliant. He really has. Um, so with the centre backs, let's do it this way rather than do one for one. Would you swap any of our back three for Chris Morgan or Claude Davis? No, not at all. I mean, I like Morgan a lot. I think Egan's a better version of Morgan. I think that's a really uh, succinct way of putting it. Morgan's the only one that, um, yeah, that it makes me think like mm, maybe. But yeah, I think I, I, I agree. I think Egan is a a better version of that. You know, he's yeah. maybe not got the. Well, I don't even want to say he's not got the uh, you know the body on the line, do or die attitude. I mean, we've seen that this season. I think haven't he we? has. I think he's. I mean, he's he's not as maybe not the captain material Morgan is in the sense that I used to love Morgan being on the pitch because you knew. Everyone were going to give their all. They're a bit like a ver- our version of Roy Keane, weren't they, to a degree? Yeah. Uh, he lifted everybody, like just with his leadership. Maybe Egan's not quite got that, but as a player, I, I think he's just as brave, and I think he's better on the ball. Yeah, I, I wouldn't swap anyway if that was the case. And no. it's, you know, that's uh, again that says more about Egan, I think, than uh, than Chris Morgan, who was obviously a fantastic defender mm. for us for uh, for many years. Um, right back. King Kozluk versus George Baldock. He's George Baldock every day. Again, Kozluk were brilliant. Like, he's, I think he's a bit of a cult legend, and he bought really Baldock's is. a miles better player than Kozluk. I loved Kozluk, but uh, yeah, even I've got to stick with uh, with Baldock, who I thought was, you know, considering kind of, I had a few people kind of say, I think you've been a bit critical of Baldock on the uh, on the last one with his finishing on the last pod, but possibly, yeah, I think we all been hypercritical because I, I think it's important not to just have a complete sort of stream of positivity, you know, like some <laughs> sort of. I think we are being hypercritical because we're having to be hypercritical because That's... there's nothing to be really critical about. So. Mm. That's a very good point, um, and I thought Baldock was absolutely fantastic on Saturday. Yeah, you know, yeah. Uh, any th- I think they, you know, they took that Taylor on the left back. Uh, McNeil was obviously playing out on the left as well, and I think the reason he had such a quiet game, a lot of that was down to Baldock. Just some really smart defending from him. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Got got involved attacking as well. Right, midfield. Um, any of our midfield would you replace with? I'll just run the names off: Nick Montgomery, Michael Tong, Phil Jagielka, or Keith Gillespie. 
I wouldn't. What? I thought Jagielka that season would possibly have a bit of an argument with your, with your team here about the best team. I thought Jagielka that season were better at centre-half. I probably would have Jags above Basham at centre That That version of Jagielka at yeah. centre-half above Basham. Certainly not in midfield. No way. Yeah, I was, I, well, I was trying to think, uh, I was trying to pick for four of our best midfielders that yeah, season. I, th- yeah, I think yeah. you're into like Alan Quinn. This is, um, the other thing I should say is, uh, I was picking this for this stage of the season. Yeah, so, so no Stephen Quinn. And, no yeah. Stephen Quinn, no John Stead. Um, I think I might have missed someone there. No, but Anna I don't Fatty. think Jack Forever at his best in midfield. I, I won't say we, yeah. I, this sounds ridiculous and to say we wasted him, which we, did, we certainly didn't, but I think we possibly lost a lot. It, we, it was far better in midfield than it was. Any, sorry, far better in midfield than all our other midfielders at that particular point. Mm. But I do think we possibly missed out a lot of his better years at centre half, you know, because yeah. he's that much better than everyone else in every other position. So I would have him above Basham if that's allowed. <laughs> yeah, no, I, th- I think that's fair. I think that's that's that is a. Gen- I was uh, yeah. I think midfielder Phil Jagielka doesn't get in our team. Uh, yep. Yeah, I would. I think I would still swap Jags for. Basham, and that's nothing Basham. against Basham. I, I don't want to like slag him off, but you know we play for England, Jagielka. Yeah, <laughs> it's not you know, and yeah. I think it'd be perfect in that system as well because he'd be obviously decent on the ball. So, mm. oh god, imagine that! Imagine 2006 Jagielka playing in a Chris yeah. Wilder team. You know, ah, uh, yeah, we'd never concede, <laughs> <laughs> and we'd score like ten goals a game. Probably, yeah, that's, that's, that's proper fantasy football. That one. Um, up front, uh, Rob Hulls. Danny Webber, I've picked as our best two strikers, and yeah. feel free to lob in anyone else. No, I think that's it. I mean, there are only other ones nowadays at that stage, I think, weren't it? So, I can buy the great. Uh, <laughs> but yeah. I, the, look, I like Hulse. I think Hulse was pretty much, in my opinion, what Wilder eventually wants from McBurney. Hmm. I think is a focal point. You're a good goal scorer. At this particular moment in time, I, you can't drop. McGoldrick and uh, Moosey anyway I think Hulse is the closest though out of all the others other than Jagielka to get into that team yeah I think so and yeah I mean just <clears throat> excuse me dropping back to the midfield again I mean Michael Tonga I think he was alright in the Premier League but I feel mm. like he's I feel like he was kind of peaking around that time or maybe even the season before so yeah you know some some fantastic memories of him playing for us but I, I don't think the level he was at in that team is is close to what we've seen from our no I actually think season. that that season Montgomery were probably our best midfielder that season um and I can't even imagine how we play in this team to be honest Montgomery but you certainly won't have him in Red or Norwood would you or Lundstrom <laughs> so poor old Monty just imagining comparing his passing to uh, and, uh, when I liked <laughs> him he got a lot of criticism yeah, I love that never say that I think he sort of epitomised that, that Warnock team and you look yeah. how that team what you just mentioned and it's amazing how many we got as many points as we did I think because yeah. they they were very much a team greater this is why I get annoyed with, with people say you know United oh, it's just all about the system and the players aren't that good and you know it's just they've got this togetherness I disagree completely. They are good players. These players we've got are excellent players. I think yeah. that Warnock team was very much a team, a spirit, and the way we played and the work rate. That's why we got through and very nearly survived. This is a just different beast. Yeah, and I know football's obviously moved on in uh, in 12 years or so, but I mean, there's there's no comparison on quality of that 11 no. that I've just listed um, versus what we had on Saturday. It's, it's just... It's not even a conversation. Um, so you could, you know, you could drop in a few individuals. But my overall point of this exercise was, 
yeah, don't underestimate how good this team is. You yeah. know, I know, I know, I'm kind of saying like, well, let's not get carried away by being six, but this is a good Premier League team that we're watching right now. And mm. and honestly, I think Burn that Burnley game was yeah, it was the best I've seen us play. But I think it's also probably the closest to our actual ability levels, like compared to some of our other games. I yeah. think there's been long spells of other games where we haven't played as well as I know we can, mm. and and that Burnley game was. Us playing as well as I know we can for yeah, nine yeah. minutes. Well, like in I said, all I think it reminded me of a championship game in that we just dominated and looked far better than the opposition. And very, very satisfying it was too. Right, let's uh, let's pick our alternative man of the match then, if you're ready. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. Nice one. All right, the Demblades alternative man of the match brought to you uh, as, as the name obviously suggests by the Demblades fanzine, who are a sponsor of this pod. Like the fanzine, this award intends to shine a light on something that may not always get the mainstream attention. It definitely deserves. Uh, so who, who do you want to nominate or what do you want to nominate as your alternative man of the match for this week? Well, like I said, I don't want to get Columbia shirt too cocky, so I'm, I'm going to uh, dismiss that this week. And uh, I've gone for uh, John Egan, who by all accounts had, shall we say, bowel issues at the weekend. I don't know if you've seen this. You know he got taken off, didn't he? Yeah, I, I, I have not seen John Egan's bowel issues. No, please, uh, please I don't know how true this is. I've only seen this on, I think it was Twitter, but apparently he was suffering with, um, yeah, I'll, I'll say I'll be clean and say IBS. <laughs> uh, <laughs> and that's why he had to come off. So for him to put a performance in like that, obviously struggling as he was, I'm going to meet John Egan. That's good. I, I, yeah, I've not looked into what happened actually, which is probably for the best. As it yeah, turns out. that's what I've um, heard anyway. Whether I, you know, I could be proven completely wrong. You might have got an actual injury, but that's what I've read. If that's I the thought, case, no one wants to play with that going on, do they? So. <laughs> <laughs> I thought he was concussed, the sort of way he reacted, and uh, you know, he kind of slumped to the floor. But I think he might yeah. have done a Gary Lineker hit him against Ireland, but uh, I don't know. But yeah, so I'm going to John Egan. Yeah, well, he went to, he went and sat on the bench for a second, didn't he? And then uh, then disappeared down the tunnel. So yeah, perhaps, yeah. Perhaps nature did call. Um, <laughs> but, but either way, I hope it's, uh, hope it's nothing too serious to uh, to keep him out. Um, I'm also I'm I'm not getting cute this week in my alternative man match because uh, Lundstrom was the man of the match. Mm. Um, I'm going to nominate John Fleck for putting his foot through it. You mentioned this earlier. Yeah. You know, we were so frustrated that he didn't just, having made that mega run against Liverpool, he didn't just swing his uh, traction engine of a left foot through it. I think this that, one, I really do did. think that was in his mind because to hit it that early is unusual for any player. So, yeah, for sure. Um, but yeah, not just for that. I, I want to, you know, put a bit of attention on his name for um, just a culmination of the performances that we've seen this season. He's he's playing at such a high level. I can't remember. I can't remember seeing a midfielder play like this for us um, at this level. Uh, you know, I've only been watching us since the early to mid nineties. He's just he's just doing things on the pitch in mid from midfield that I've not seen. You know, the the tackling, the running with the ball. The, I mean, the strength he has with uh, when he dribbles. You know, he's just he's just leaving defenders behind him at the minute because he just gets his body in the way. And he's I love his commitment to staying on his feet as well. There's so Did you many times. I've not actually read it yet. He 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 said like don't laugh, but he said he reminded me it reminded him of Gaza, and obviously people won't laugh about that. Great shout! The way he runs, yeah, he's deceptively fast. He's so hard to knock off the ball, just running past players like they weren't there. And I I didn't clock that at the time, but when I saw his match report, I thought that's absolutely spot on. To be fair, that's exactly how he's playing at the moment. 
That is a beautiful comparison. And, and yeah, just the, the class of which he's, he's playing, you know, some of his passing, his, his dribbling, as I mentioned, you know, he was the one that um, uh, played Lundstrom in for the shot that he ends up taking with his left foot yeah. and putting it wide. He's is, is at another level. I mean, you and I obviously always thought he was an extremely good player. Well, I um, thought last season, the start of last season, I thought it's the worst he's played for. I thought mm. he was really quite out of form. I think he'd have been dropped if we had a, a decent backup, to be honest. Yeah. I took him off a couple of times, I remember, which he never used to do, Wilder. Then he got back into it towards the end of the season. And I think it was one of those players this season that I thought he might not make the cut, to be honest. I thought he's, mm. there's certain things he's going to have to improve. He's going to have to be better on the ball. He's going to have to get involved a little bit more than he did at the start of last season. Wow, he's just got another level on it. It's just ridiculous. Again, a bit like Lundstrom, but not not as extreme. He's just gone up, well, four or five gears, hasn't he? Yeah, and, and you know, to think most of us, uh, certainly myself, I was quite happy keeping uh, Luke Freeman in the team because I was impressed with what I'd seen yeah. from him, but... This little, I mean, what is this? Probably six games now since uh, Fleck came back. Unreal! What it's just he's just been playing. Out this of his is mind. the best he's played, I think. I think so as well. When you take into account the the standard of opposition, yeah, because um, it's not like he's blowing away, you know, lower end championship teams. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Sorry, yeah. I mean, obviously in his league one days he just dominated players, but to up against this sort of opposition, and I think he's really loving that sort of freedom of the what you know the flat three, if you want to call it whatever. Mm. I think having that sort of He's he's not he's having more freedom to run with the ball, whereas I think before when Duff is in front of him, he had to sort of keep his position a little bit more because obviously you don't want to go too further forward, and it's working perfectly. Yeah, and this is where I think again I think McGoldrick and uh, and Lundstrom's performance has really helped this because it is freeing him up to get forward more, mm-hmm. and you know he knows he's going to have players around him. He knows Lundstrom can uh, can cover if necessary with Norwood. So, yeah. Hats off to John Fleck. It's it's unbelievable stuff. But yeah, I, I can't overlook. Um, well, <laughs> perhaps I quite like to overlook John Egan's uh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. personal personal issue this weekend. But um, yeah, I'm, I'm going to go for uh, John Egan, mate. That's a, that's a good shout, and I appreciate the effort you went to to uh, to research his um, bowel issues. Yeah, I'm not doing that again. But uh. <laughs> <laughs> all right, so congrats to John Egan, the winner of this week's Denblaze Alternative Man of the Match. Uh, you can still pick up your copy of the fan- fanzine, I believe. I believe there's a very small amount of issue three of the quarterly available. Uh, that's from denblaze.co.uk. It's 86 pages of insight, analysis, and self-deprecation. Can't recommend it enough. Uh, as always, we thank them for sponsoring the pod. And uh, yeah, do do head over to denblaze.co.uk and check it out. Um, all right, mate. We we have talked for a long old time already. So let's. No, uh, you're going to get hammered again for being too long a post pod, isn't it? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, potentially. Right. Let's let's quickly wrap up just with some uh, some quick thoughts about Tottenham Hotspur, who are our next opponent. Any uh, any particular memories of, of meetings with Spurs in the uh, in the years past? Well, the six 0 stands out when we beat. We were five 0 up at half time against them. Um, uh, when Bassett were manager, that obviously stands out. One for me that stands out is a personal one. Is the most drunk I've ever been at a match when we beat them two one under Warnock in the uh, Premier last Premiership season. Actually, yeah. Oh yeah. I was absolutely bladdered that game. I didn't even know like I, I don't even know how I got in. I, I just remember being. We missed the first goal because we were still in the pub, like the genius goal, and then oh yeah, oh, yeah just absolutely. Yeah, I was just I, yeah, I can't really remember much about it to be honest. But yeah, I remember uh, obviously we won that one two one. Then the semi finals is another one. Obviously the two semi finals under Clough were probably last Clough's last hurrah if you like of yeah. goodwill for him and stuff. And yeah, we lost, but when that Adams second goal went in, it was brilliant. Yeah, that that was an amazing moment. That I mean that that might be the loudest I've heard Bramall Lane when that goal went in. I I remember like. 
me and my brother were like just shouting at each other. We were both sort of like pointing at our ears, going like, "I can't hear, I can't hear." Like yeah. the noise had just got too loud. It almost like stunned us. It was amazing. Those two goals in or just a couple of minutes, something like that. Yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. Yeah, it's looking now seventy-seven and seventy-nine. Um, yeah, I was at both legs of that actually because I was, I was still living in London at that point. Um, so I went to the. I managed to score an away ticket for um the idiotic uh, Jay McEverly handball weren't it in there correct which gave them a, a pretty late penalty mm-hmm. um I th- we did really well in that game actually and the atmosphere was fantastic it yeah. was um it was my second trip to White Hart Lane uh and it's the first time I felt it was one of the more intimidating atmospheres actually for uh an away fan I think mm-hmm. that I've experienced just because I was like really close to uh the home fans and yeah they were obviously pretty up for it being a, a, se- a cup semi-final and stuff but yeah, look at that team now. Wow. So this is the lineup of that night. Mark Howard in goal, Bob Harris, Jamie McEverley, uh, someone called Chris Basham, I'm not sure of those. Yeah. Jamal, Jamal Campbell-Rice, Doyle, Ryan Flynn, Louis, Louis Reed, Stefan Skugel, Jamie Murphy, Mark McNulty. That's a, a, t- a team full of Scots there. That's five Scotsmen yeah. and um, about... About six of them who were like five foot nothing as well. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> but we did, we did well, didn't we? I mean, that was uh, so that we lost three two on aggregate, uh, and it was a late goal by Ericsson. And, and that free kick he scored in that second leg as well was one of my. I mean, you mentioned being pretty drunk about the other game. I <laughs> certainly, uh, I certainly imbibed a fair few before this one. And I, yeah. I, I, I have to say, I, I was on the verge of giving it the ah when he hit that free kick. So it, yeah, it looked like it had gone straight up, and then suddenly just dipped into the top corner off the post. I always remember. Uh, I'm looking forward to the view from because that's one of the best view froms we've ever done. Tottenham, like just in terms of comments and stuff, they were absolutely hilarious. So I'm hoping that I've actually. Uh, <laughs> I was looking yesterday, you know, because they obviously they played Everton. And um, mm. I saw someone put, if Ericsson was a dog, I'd have him put down. <laughs> <laughs> oh, God's sake. So they're not uh, in a good state of mind. One of them just said, we are just sad. So, just sad, please. Uh, they, they are, uh, they're, they're absolutely furious uh, at the moment, Tottenham. I mean, they seem to be in that sort of limbo, don't they? Yeah, it's uh, it's weird. I mean, looking ahead to that, they, they've been really poor this season. I mean, where are they in the table? They're 11th. Yeah. Uh, so they're only three points behind us, but... I mean, I think they're getting by on the quality of individuals yeah. because, yeah, they... It seems the... obvious that Pochettino's going to leave and I think they all sort of want it to happen but don't, if you know what I mean. They know how well yeah. he's done, they know how good he is, that they know he's probably at his end now. Yeah, it's, it's such a weird situation there. They, limbo is right, I think. I mean, they... Yeah, so they have the... What is this? The 17th highest XG um, and while they're just behind us in the... Uh, XG against it's I think it's two full goals worse off mm. uh, one and a half worse goals so they they're playing like a lower mid table team it's just you know they have some outstanding individuals that um, are, are kind of kind of helping them get where they are which obviously is not where they want to be um, they score quite a lot of goals so what are they seventeen goals yeah so they're fourth for goals scored but then pretty poor on goals conceded I think mm-hmm. uh, yeah right in mid table and. I think maybe I don't know. I was kind of expecting them to be out of their rut by the time that we played them. But yeah, they're really I was a bit not. worried after they lost to Brighton. I thought that's the peak of their. I mean, they're playing Wednesday night as well, which I think could be a real big advantage for us because they're away in Serbia at Belgrade. Belgrade, yeah. I, I you you surprised me with that one the other day because um, I mean on a Wednesday as well. Yeah. So I thought that game would get moved. Uh, our game that is. Yeah, I thought um, it'd be moved to a Sunday. So that Sunday. I, that could that could be a little advantage for us. I think there. Uh, I've got to agree, yeah. Eight o'clock on Wednesday and then obviously three o'clock on Saturday. I don't think we're going to get a much better time to play Tottenham Hotspur, to be honest. No, and, uh, obviously Son will be out, you'd have thought, unless he gets rescinded as well. 
I don't think that's good. I mean, I think it probably should, but I don't think yeah, that's going to get do, yeah, no. I did it first, but after seeing some uproar about it after, then, yeah, I don't think they're going to do it. Uh, yeah. Hopefully Kane's still out, but we don't know. I think he should be back. He's only an illness, I think, so. Yeah. Um, and, yeah, I think, you know, this is one of, what, maybe three games going into this season where I just say, yeah, we've just got no chance in that yeah. game. Um, but now, having seen what we've seen from Spurs, having seen what we've seen from us, this to me, there's absolutely no reason we can't go and get something at Tottenham Hotspur now. I mean, the way that we're playing, the way that they're playing, and the quality of our players, yeah, it's uh, it's one to look forward to. I'm looking forward to it because, like, say if we lose, you all drives up and say, you know, they're, 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 all right, they're not informed, but they're a fantastic side still. You know, player for yeah. player, they're quite clearly better than us. But I'm looking forward to it because we've given ourselves such a, a good points total now that it's not the oh looking over a shoulder here if this, you know. Yeah. Um, I think there's a couple of teams near the bottom playing each other this weekend. You got Watford versus Watford and Norwich. Norwich. One of them's going to drop points. Maybe both of them. Hopefully, a draw will happen. But you imagine that even at this early stage, whoever loses that is going to. They've got a massive sort of battle to stay up, aren't they? Even at this early stage. Yeah, they really are. So as it stands, we are eight points clear of relegation. Uh, and obviously with a significantly better goal difference than mm. the three teams at the bottom. So it's it's kind of not... I mean, even if they made up those eight points, I doubt they're going to do it to the tune of 16 goals no. of difference. So, so I saw really the results. I was points. delighted with our, obviously, three and a lot. Then I looked at the results at half-time and it was like, Villa's winning, Southampton's beating Southampton's City away, City, yeah. Newcastle are winning. It's like, oh, we haven't really made any ground here. But obviously there's a lot of late goals. I was delighted Liverpool beat Villa because... Although I don't think Villa, Villa obviously stepped it up, they? they seem to be playing a lot better. It's still good to have that sort of gap above the teams that you expect to be in the bottom half. Yeah, and I'm, I'm not totally upset by Newcastle winning West Ham either. You know, let's keep as many teams mm. down in that sort of touching distance of yeah. relegation zone as possible. Yeah. So, yeah, it's a good place to be. And, um, I'm, yeah, obviously looking forward to seeing the Blades in action again on Saturday. And, uh, very envious of everybody who's going to be there. But uh, I, I can't wait to just, just watch us against... Uh, Another European finalist last season. Yeah. Hopefully, hopefully we can get some more points. Um, all right, mate, let's, let's leave it there. Sorry for uh, rattling on for <laughs> quite a long time. It's, just, it's uh, a good time, isn't it? I reckon like, if we were in League One, these podcasts would be about 10 minutes. So. <laughs> <laughs> I know. You've got you to gotta enjoy it. You've got to... Yeah. You know, like you say, you don't know if we'll be six... When will next be six in the Premier League? Yeah. I hope it will be uh, <laughs> on Sunday this week. We'll yeah. still be six in the Premier League, but... Yeah, this this might not happen again for God knows how long. So, yeah, in, and when you put in a performance like we did on Saturday, I think it's definitely worth spending a, a good amount of time talking about it. I know I've enjoyed talking about yeah, it. Yeah, undoubtedly. I think, like like you say, they don't come up. As Sheffield and Arthur, these things don't come along too often. So just just enjoy it. Yeah, I mean, just to, like the final crown of perfection on that afternoon was uh, news of a late Blackburn goal coming in basically as we were leaving. Uh, yeah, I, I like yeah. sort of. I think I think I were on the S2 shout box actually on my way out and I was just seeing what people were saying on that and so I just saw like someone put a lot of laughing and emojis I thought <laughs> what's happened here and then haha Wednesday's looking <laughs> alright uh, so yeah but obviously I don't know like on Owl's talk I don't know if you saw that thread uh, about how football is rubbish now <laughs> yeah, I love uh, it. It's my favourite Owl's talk moment I think this season because they've gone from saying we're rubbish to the Premier League's rubbish to football itself is now rubbish. <laughs> so, like, you know, that's it. So that one of them are even talking about getting into karate or something like that. So <laughs> I absolutely love how it's gone from, you know, they, they can't slack us off anymore. 
the Premier League, they, they, they've gone off saying that's rubbish, and now it's just football in general is rubbish now. So, oh dear. Well, I could tell you, I could tell you where it's not rubbish, and that yeah. is at Bramall Lane. Exactly. Where it's, uh, consistently entertaining and very very enjoyable to watch all right mate where can uh, where can people read your stuff it's www.roysviewfrom.com or at panchera on twitter good man and uh yeah we'll be back next week uh to to discuss hopefully um another good result for the blades at tottenham i hope so nice one i'll talk to you later thank you see you later